You're listening to teaching from the Word of God, provided by Black Forest Chapel. This is the church where you will find biblical teaching and authentic worship with family and friends. We are located in Black Forest near Monument and just north of Colorado Springs, Colorado. We invite you to join us this Sunday. Find our location, worship times, and more at blackforestchapel.org. Here at this church, we celebrate the Sacrament of Communion uh, the first Sunday of every month. Communion, or the celebration of the Lord's Supper, has been performed by the church since Jesus initiated it almost 2,000 years ago. Jesus had this last supper with his disciples on the day of the Passover. It's celebrated every year by the Jews since their exodus from Egypt. We read in Exodus what Mike's been going through, about how the Lord required the nation of Israel to have a Passover sacrifice. Each household was to sacrifice an unblemished male lamb, one year old. They were to take some of the blood of the lamb and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of their doorway to their homes. And that was the lamb that they would eat that day. I'm going to read from Exodus 12 about this um, right. Exodus 12 says, For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lentil and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to come in to your houses to smite you. And you shall observe this event as an ordinance for you and your children forever. When you enter the land which the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall observe this rite. And when your children say to you, what does this rite mean to you? You shall say, it is a Passover sacrifice to the Lord, who passed over the houses of the sons of Israel in Egypt, when he smote the Egyptians, but spared our homes. And the people bowed low and worshipped. This was a sign of redemption because it meant that they would escape the wrath of God. And they would remember this redemption every year after this, when they obeyed the institution of the Passover. Now, Jesus also obeyed the institution of the Passover with his disciples. But he added new meaning to the Passover celebration. He declared, I am the Passover. I am the sacrificial lamb. I am the one will be sacrificed for you. Now, there is a requirement to participate in this sacrament. You must be a believer in our Lord Jesus Christ to examine yourself before God to see if you are truly in the faith. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians 11. Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in so doing he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly. So let's take a few minutes to examine ourselves in silent prayer before God. Lord, we ask that you look into each of our hearts. Forgive us, Lord, when we do not put you first in our lives. We ask, Lord, that you would use this time to help us remember what Jesus has done for us. You know, I could have the amen. If I have the ushers come forward, please. 
The bread and the cup are together, so you have to take those apart. The bread will be in the body, in the bottom of the cup. I'm going to read from Matthew 26. While they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. When, you, when we celebrate the communion of the Lord's Supper, it is not just a sign of the new covenant of what has happened in Jesus Christ, but it is also a sign of what will happen if, in the future. For Jesus continued to say, But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day, when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So our hope is not just this present hope we have in Jesus Christ and his kingdom now, but also his future kingdom when we are at the banquet table with him to share this sacrament. Thank you, Scott. Is this centered? I like symmetrical things. Is that, does that work? Good morning, church. Good to be with you. It's good to celebrate the Lord's Supper with you, to remember, to proclaim the Lord's death, to make him known, to anticipate his return. If you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn to Exodus chapter 10. We're continuing on in our series in the book of Exodus, looking at this this great story, the story really for the Israelites and for uh, the people of God, it's it's the story that's meant to be remembered, right? God was making this whole thing very memorable. It wasn't a one-off kind of spectacular weekend event. This was a serious um, endeavor of the Lord to rescue his people, to deliver his people from bondage into freedom, to take them to the land of promise where they could be with him and he would be their God and they would be his people. And this was... Uh, an amazing event, uh, an amazing display of all of God's attributes all at one time so that he might receive the glory and no one else. And we've been talking about some of the, the attributes of God. Hopefully you've been enjoying this part of the study, just learning more about who our God is. I know that some of the other Bible studies in the church that take place throughout the week are also studying the attributes of God. And I don't see that as a coincidence. That wasn't planned. Nobody thought, well, let's do it. I mean, it would have been nice if it was, but it wasn't. God just did that. God does a lot of things for us that we are incapable of. And, and so bringing these things together, even to the point where my sons are studying ancient Egypt and, and, their, and their schooling, it's just interesting to see how God's doing something here in this church in this time. And so be encouraged by that, that he desires for you to know him more. That as much as we've read the Bible on our own, maybe we've memorized some scripture, maybe we enjoy going to Bible studies and some fellowship, he's concerned about his name being praised in all the earth. He wants to be proclaimed throughout all generations. He wants his name to endure. How does that happen? That happens when the church is the church, right? And we're living according to the life of Christ, the life that we've been given through him by his death on the cross, by the power of the Holy Spirit in us. We we exhibit or manifest fruit in our life that only God can produce. But what's the most tangible, practical way of doing that? It's by living a certain way, living the way that God's called us to live, and also by what? By passing this on to the next generation, by telling our children and our grandchildren, right? And we do that as that's part of the body life here at Black Forest Chapel. We pass these things on, not just as head knowledge, but from the heart. This is who God is. This is what he's done. 
This is what he's going to do. And we have hope in that. Right? We should have joy in that as well. And just as Scott said, uh, the, the symbolism, the, the ordinance, the, the, uh, the rite, if you will, of uh, the Lord's communion, the Lord's supper, is to remember, right? Is to proclaim his name, to proclaim his death, to remember what he's done so that we don't forget, to keep the cross of Christ firmly fixed before us understand where we came from, who our God is, what he's done for us, the great sacrifice, what he's calling us to, not just what he saved us from, what is he calling us to, to remember those things. Because in this world, we get lost, right? We, we get we, the waves, the current of our culture, just, we just drift away from kind of our, our base camp, if you will. And so we have to turn our heads, where, where's, my, where's my blanket, where's my towel, where, where's my spot on the beach, right? Because the, the waves, the current will take you. And we've got to turn back. And these are things to help us remember. And the story of the Exodus is to help us as God's people remember who he is, the great power that he has. And so that's why we're, we're in this story. That's our hope. And that's the title of this morning's message is simply the Lord's renown. The Lord's renown. I'm going to set the table a little bit, if you will, with Psalm 135. <clears throat> Psalm 135 says, Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Give praise, O servants of the Lord. So obviously, the, the psalmist wants us to give praise. Right? He's not mixing, there's, there's a, he's not stuttering. There's no redundancy for the sake of just filling some more space, right? He's not a high school student trying to make the font bigger just to cover some ground to hopefully trick the, this is not, the guy doesn't make mistakes like that. There's a, there's a reason for this. We are to praise him, praise his name, give praise to him, O servants of the Lord. This is important to God who stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise the Lord. Why? For the Lord is good. Sing to his name, for it is pleasant. For the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel as his own possession. For I know that the Lord is great, and that the Lord is above all gods. We're seeing some of the attributes coming out. He is good. He is great. He is sovereign, because he chose Jacob for himself, for his own possession. Jacob, Israel did nothing to earn this. There was nothing about them that was of any fame or, or that really drew God's eye to them as something that they've earned or that they did. They didn't have a, a name that was renowned. They were a very small people in light of all the other nations. And we read in Deuteronomy 7, why did God choose them? Well, he chose them because he loved them and he, he set his affection upon them and he made a promise to them. Why did God do that? Because he's God. We don't have to know the answers to all these things, right? He's God. He has a reason for it. And because we're learning all these attributes, because we know that he is omniscient, right? Omnipotent. So he knows everything. He's all powerful. He's, he's present everywhere. He's sovereign. He has the right, the authority to do whatever he wants, whatever he pleases. And he's holy. He's perfect. He's morally perfect. He does everything perfectly. We can't understand that. But he, he's other, he inhabits eternity. He's the great I am. He's self-sufficient, self-existent. We know that he's completely faithful, completely loving, right? His justice and his righteousness are perfect, just as his grace and his mercy are perfect. He's good. The Bible tells us these things. This is the testimony of all of God's people throughout the biblical record, that he is good. He is gracious. He is merciful. He is righteous. He is just. And he's perfectly doing all these things all at the same time, all of his attributes working together in unity, manifesting themselves in his power, and that brings him glory. And that's a good thing. And so we can praise him for all those things. And so when he's chosen Jacob for himself, God's not being unfair to the other nations. He's doing it because this is his choice, and he's perfectly choosing them. So can we accept that? Can we really praise him for that? 
For I know that the Lord is great and that the Lord is above all gods. We're seeing God judge all of these other false gods in Egypt. Verse 6, whatever the Lord pleases, he does. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does. Can you praise him for that this morning? Or does that offend you a little bit? Who is God that he has the right to do that? Well, Pharaoh asked the same question. Who is the Lord? I don't know him, so I'm not going to listen to him. And we're seeing what happens to a heart that is refusing to listen to God, that is hardened by by his own desire to exalt himself. Pharaoh wants to exalt himself, to honor himself. That's what this hardening of the heart means. The Lord does whatever he pleases. Does that that give you comfort this morning in peace? Or does that give you a little bit of discomfort? He does whatever uh, the Lord, uh, whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and on earth, in the seas and all the deeps. He it is who makes the clouds rise at the end of the earth. Can you make the clouds rise at the end of the earth? I haven't tried lately, but I'm pretty sure I'm not going to make that happen. He can do that. Why? Because he created everything. Who makes lightnings for the rain. I would love to make lightning. I can do some sparks like with some static electricity on occasion, right? That's about as far as I'm going to get. He can create lightnings for the rain from the heavens. He brings forth the wind from his storehouses. He's in control of everything. He it was who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, both man and beast, who in your midst, O Egypt, sent signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all his servants, who struck down many nations and killed mighty kings. Sihon, king of Amorites, and Og, the king of Bashan, and all the kingdoms of Canaan, and gave their land as a heritage, a heritage to his people Israel. Your name, O Lord, endures forever. Your renown, O Lord, throughout all ages. For the Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants. Your name, O Lord, endures forever. Your renown, O Lord, throughout all the ages. God cares about his name, cares about his renown, being known, being widely acclaimed, being highly honored. He wants his name to be known. He wants the fame. He wants everyone to know who he is. And it's funny, we're in a world that, we're in a world that wants to share everything, right, through social media. We have people that take pictures of their french fry on their plate and send it to all their followers and some great grand glory that they chose this place and this fry is amazing. It's a french fry. It's the same as it is down the road, right? They put some Parmesan on that one and some whatever, right? But th- this is what we're concerned about. This is what we will share with everyone. Different restaurants we've been to. We'll share referrals for all different types of vendors and places that we've, that we've worked. We'll, we'll share what's happened in our day. We'll, we'll share all the, when do we share about this great God to the world around us, to our, even to our family? How often do we share about what God has done? If you're like me and you come home after a long day, stuck in a long line of traffic or, or running errands or whatever you're doing, maybe you're at home all day and you start to engage with the family. How was your day? What are the first things that you say? What are the, this is your family. This is someone that you trust and you, we need to vent, right? We need to get some stuff off our chest. We need to share what's happened and kind of get this stuff out and our our family's a safe place to do it. But how often do we ever share besides all the bad stuff? Because that's, that's easy. How often do we share? But this is what the Lord did today. This is how he showed his greatness to me today. This is how I know God is good because of this thing that happened. Do we even consider that? We just go right to the bad stuff, right? And I'm guilty of that as well. And it's, I, I tend to look at all of the problems more than I look at all of the positives. And that's something that I have to train my heart to do differently. And as I read the word and as I consider this great God and he is magnified in front of me through the scriptures, all of those problems get smaller and smaller. That's why we're in the word. 
to learn about who he is. And then we worship him, and then we praise him, and all these other things start to fade away because he's in control. We can trust him. And so that is what God is doing here. He wants his name to be known, to endure forever. And we've, we've seen that throughout the, the text here. I'll just go through a few scriptures to remind us of the purpose of all of this and what God is doing. <clears throat> In uh, three, chapter 3, verse 15, God is introducing himself to Moses, and he says, this is my name forever, so say that I am who I am. Say that I am sent you. My name is the Lord, right? This is Yahweh, the self-sufficient one, the one who inhabits eternity, the one who's high and lifted up, the holy one. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. God gave his name not just so that we can write it down and try to remember it on a, on a, you know, on a Tuesday afternoon when we're thinking about. No, he wants us to remember his name throughout all the. He wants us to tell the next generation about his name. He wants to be known, and he's perfectly in the right to want to be known because he's perfect. Who would not want to know him? So he wants his name to be known. This is important. He gave his name so it would be remembered. Uh, let's see, three verse twenty. And he's talking about he's going to stretch out his hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. And after, so he wants to do all these wonders. He wants to do all these signs. There's a purpose for all of it. Uh, chapter 7, verse 5, if you're, if you're flipping along with me here. Actually, we'll start in verse 3. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart. We'll talk a little bit about that today. God's purpose in hardening Pharaoh's heart, even as Pharaoh's hardening his own heart. I will harden Pharaoh's heart, though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt. Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my hosts, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. So these acts are wonderful signs, but they're also a judgment on an idolatrous nation that hates him, that opposes God. Remember that they're not innocent of anything, right? They're not innocent of anything. Pharaoh was, was a murderer, he was a harsh oppressor of God's people who did nothing but bless him and his land and his economy. Out of fear, he, he put them under the thumb of slavery hundreds of years. And then when that wasn't enough, he decided he wanted to try to kill all the firstborn males. He's a, it's infanticide. He's, he's willing to kill. And his people went along with it. They were complicit in all of these things. No one is innocent here. And so these are great acts of judgment and on the gods of Egypt, those who set themselves up against the true God. And why is this? Verse 5, the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. He's concerned about them knowing who he is. 7, verse 17, thus says the Lord, by this you shall know that I am the Lord. Right? By these miracles, by these signs, by these plagues, these mighty blows, you're going to know that I am God. This is repeated over and over again throughout all these plagues. There's a reason for them. And the, the primary reason is that they would know. So the plague itself was so that they would know he is the Lord. To stop the plague out of a pleading of God because it was, it was terrible, they would stop the plague. Moses said, I will stop it at this time, and God, you're going to know that he is the Lord. No one else can do this. Right? He wants to be known. And this, this goes on in, verse, in, in uh, chapter 8, verses 10, and chapter 9, verses 14 through 17. We saw this last week with, with uh, the plague of hail. And we've gone through seven plagues now, right? The Nile turning to blood, all of the water turning to blood. This, that was the centrality of their economy, essentially, their commerce, life in general in Egypt. And then we had what? We had frogs, and we had gnats, and we had flies, and then the livestock. God was just deconstructing, decreating the entire economy in Egypt itself. And then we have the boils against the gods of health and, and disease. 
We saw these magicians trying to multiply these things, and they, they, they couldn't do it. They couldn't even stand before Moses. And then we had the plague of hail last week, and that was pretty impressive to think about that. And we, have, we talked about how we, we get glimpses of what hail might, you know, hail damage, hail storms, they're terrible. You just, you just kind of put your head down and try to get through it, all right? It's so noisy, and it's so damaging, and you're just wondering about your roof and your car and your plants and all those types of things. And if you're out, if you're out in the hail, you're worried about yourself for a few moments until you find some cover, but it's, it's terrible. And this hail was a hail like, like the, the nation of Egypt has never seen since the beginning of the nation, with thunder, with fire coming down. So there was lightning in the hail, and it destroyed everything that was in the field. And we saw a, 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 just a beautiful intersection, really, God